Welcome to episode 37 of Golden Shower of Hits. On today's episode, Jamie and Mike will review the ninth studio album by The Temptations, entitled Cloud Nine, released in 1969. Compared to its predecessors, this album is weird as fuck. I'm willing to bet that the only Temptation song Jamie might possibly be able to name is My Girl, and this ain't that. Hopefully it's a positive surprise. Oh yeah, man. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? Ah, uh, a lot of uh, R&B or whatever this psychic psychedelic R&B this week. It's a, little, a pretty split record. Like I thought, I was like, "Whoa, this is going to be heavy," and then, and then it kind of clearly they had different songwriters. Yeah. Um, you're just going to jump right into it. You're not no, no. Talk about I just your, uh, you're not going to talk about your foot fungus or um. Like the oil change you got in your car this week, the bad experience at the oil change place. Do you change your own oil? I do. You do? Yeah, I'm too cheap to uh, bring it somewhere. It's not that hard. I I order, you know, whatever I need from Amazon. and You're not too cheap to change your own speakers. No, no speaker talk this week. Good Lord. Let me ask you a question. Oh, fuck. Are you a car stereo guy? I am not. Do you wear a headset in the car? I do. Yeah. That'll save you some dough. Yeah. Car stereo is just, you know, it seems like every car I have has a lot of road noise anyways. And so, and then car stereos always sound bad. It's just like tons of bass and it's like, I just, I don't care for tons of bass, you know? So I was happy when I switched over to headphones. What about when you're listening to Public Enemy though? Um, I don't know. I haven't listened to Public Enemy in a while. Unfortunately, I should probably do that. I was thinking about this a lot this week and i was thinking to myself you know i'm also cheap and i think that comes that comes hand in hand with growing up a poor kid right yeah and uh there's certain things i'm cheap about but a lot of things i'm totally not cheap about <laughs> you know what i mean there oh are certain i know things, exactly what you're talking about <laughs> right and i and i am almost certain that there is some deep seated psychological thing attached to your infatuation with speakers and it has and it has to do with that because i have some of the same stuff going on right but just not with speakers with cool stuff well i think my infatuation with having a lot of the same speakers has to go has to do with um you know losing everything multiple times losing all my possessions so i have multiples of the same guitar and same amp and you know same i have you know, I, I, I think I have four boxes of unopened Vans shoes of the same shoes. Like, I'm all about backups. So, yeah. There's certain, like, I won't skimp on a coat. Yeah. Like, I, I always have a nice jacket. And I always have nice boots uh, and sh- and sneakers. Like, I, you know, I right. remember, I can remember when spending $20 on a, on a, on any art, single article of clothing was unthinkable yeah um i mean i'm still pretty cheap when it comes to clothing 
you know, it's t-shirts and sweatshirts and the same pair of pants, which, you know, I, I think my pants are maybe $30 or something, you know? Right. So like, I'm still like bent out of shape that, uh, you know, like when I was a kid, Chuck Taylor for 15 bucks at target, you know? Yeah. And now it's like Chuck's are 50 bucks. And, you know, like I, I, I pretty much only wear old school vans and, but I'm, I'm Have so you not old. had any injuries? What do you mean? Like, but like knee or ankle injuries? Yeah. I have it a, seems like you would have a lot of ankle injuries. Uh, not a lot, but, um, I, I've had a lot of knee injuries, a knee surgery. I tore my ACL and PCL about 10 years ago. Uh, well, not eh, maybe six years ago and didn't have it repaired. So I have a lot of knee pain and that sort of thing but now, but now i can't wear regular old schools you know like the off-the-shelf ones right you got to get the uh <laughs> the whatever sp- it's called yeah they're like super geriatric vans yeah they're vans, super lightweight the brand that grew up with fucking punk rockers right yeah so and it sucks uh those soles you know it's it's like a premium for those soles so like the shoes i buy are like 80 bucks now <laughs> so i bought a pair of those once and they're fine but I, you know, I have leg injuries. I have that one. I busted my leg really good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I tried to buy a pair of those shoes and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't rock them because, you know, it, my leg would bother me. Although oh, really? now that I don't have inflammation, as much inflammation, <laughs> I wonder, although uh, I pinched a nerve and oh, I think in my back or so, I just have this constant ache down the back of my left leg that just won't die oh man uh but yeah i don't skimp on shoes i won't wear shitty shoes yeah because that was a thing that i always wished i had a nice pair of shoes yeah and and a jacket i always gotta have a nice jacket everything else don't even care just barely care oh i mean i'll wear the same pair of pants until there's holes and my pockets are hanging out of the front you're never going to believe this story, but I, uh, so I found a jacket that I, at a thrift store in the nineties that I really liked this brown, like gas station attendant jacket. And mm-hmm. I wore it until it was totally just worn out. And so I had to retire it. I still have it. It's hangs in my closet. Uh, but then I searched for a replacement for it for probably 15 years before I found, you know, like the exact make and model and now I have a brown one and a black one. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, I take the, the brown jacket out of retirement. So, yeah, it's a great jacket, man. I still, you know, I told <laughs> the story about my North Face vest. I don't know that I've heard this. I've told it a bunch. When I worked at the Pike Place Market in 1994, the, the first winter that I was there, of many, um, it was cold. It was really cold. And I just had, you know, shitty just shitty thrift store stuff that wouldn't keep me warm. Yeah. And so I saved my money and I bought a North Face vest. And at the time, it was the most expensive thing I'd ever purchased outside of uh, one pair of eyeglasses um, and my base and amp that I owned. Yeah. It was the most expensive. It was as much as any car I'd ever bought. It was like $160. Right, right. You know. Yeah. Now, I guess I paid $425 for my first car. So not as much as my car, but yeah. you get the point. Yeah. And 
Uh, it meant so much to me. I still have it and wear it almost daily. There you go. <laughs> still. Yeah. I'm waiting for North Face to give me some, some sponsorship money or, or fix the holes that are in it, right, at least. Right. Maybe the, I, you know. Yeah. But it's great. And when I every day when I put it on, I think about that. I think that it represents, you know, saving, saving money and taking care of something um, because... It wasn't easy to come by. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, great radio. That was fucking heartfelt, really, uh, you know, touching. Yeah, it was. So uh, Mike has a, a favorite vest. It, it, what is it, a vest or a jacket? Yeah, it's a, a down vest. Okay. I got a vest because there were a lot of, there were a lot of things that you could snare your sleeves on. Oh, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we were walking through the the mall. I was probably six or seven at the time. And I found this, uh, somebody left like a denim vest uh, and it was like fleece on the inside and denim on the outside. But the way it was shaped, it reminded me of Ace Frehley's uh, top from the Love Gun era, you know, his LeMay top. And yeah. I, so I would wear it all the time thinking I look like Ace Frehley <laughs> wearing it. Have you seen a picture of yourself with it on? Yeah, it's unfortunately it's like cut off, like right above the you know the nipples. So I can't really see the whole full vest. But every time I look at that photo, I'm just like, oh yeah, you can't. I totally you can't look tell like how much you don't look like Ace Freely, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, a photo like that conveniently preserves your childhood memories, though. Yeah, right. it keeps them in place. Yeah. <laughs> so, Were, uh, are there a lot of photos of you as a kid? Yeah, my grandmother was super into photography. They actually had a oh, that's cool. Um, they had a whole like enlargement set up in the basement. Oh wow! Yeah, it was crazy. So uh, they would like take photos and you know get them developed at the photo mat or whatever. But then they would um, blow them up. So uh, somewhere around here, I have all these giant enlargements of photos of me as a kid, which is great. So. Um, but I don't have any. I don't really have many um, like yearbook or not yearbook photos, but like school photos or whatever, because we couldn't afford them. So, but there are a lot of photos of me as a kid uh, because my grandma needed somebody to photograph. So have you seen the picture of me when my hair was over my eyes? I think my so. Picture in, uh, it looks like, like a high school or something, on. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought I looked like slash and <laughs> or that's what I was going for. Right. And, uh, you know, I sat down, I was probably stoned and I sat down to get my, my photo taken and the, the cheese dick photographer that day, you know, I, I had a job or, you know, I was making money already. Yeah. And, uh, the photographer, you know, I had been buying my own school clothes since the seventh grade. Right. Um, the photographer was like, why don't you brush your hair out of your eyes? And I was like, nah, 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 this is okay. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, no, really. Your Brush mom's your hair out of your eyes. Yeah. And I was like, why don't you just click the photograph? Why don't you just take the photograph? And right. then he's, he was like, you know, don't you think your parents are going to be disappointed that they pay for some photographs and they can't see you? And I was like, you know what? Why don't you just do your job? I'm paying for these photographs and mind your own business. Right. And then I have this stupid grin on my face because I was so pleased with myself that I like told this schmuck photographer. I was also, like I said, stoned. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a terrible photo, terrible hair. <laughs> Inc- just incredible. Yeah. No, I like that photo. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, you know, everybody that I went to school with was, they were all jocks or they looked like you in that photo. So <laughs> all the burnout. Hey, kids. I'm, yeah. I'll meet you at the tree. We'll go smoke cigarettes, get right. stoned and play hacky sack. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, right. Actually, I don't know that hacky sack was a thing when I was in school, but yeah. What? You guys didn't get high and play hacky sack? Um, I didn't get high. Uh, well, I wasn't a burnout, so I didn't hang out with those guys. Um, and I don't remember ever seeing anyone play hacky sack until I was in my 20s and living in Illinois. So I don't know if it really? just wasn't a thing in Minnesota or what. Weird. Yeah. I always played this hacky shit. sack. Was there a, was this guy named Brian Hoskins, and he... He just, he kind of fancy, and he's a cool, he was a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in touch with him a little bit as an adult, but not uh, not a ton recently. I hope he's okay. But he, we called him Brian Hyaskins because he had, he would like, he kind of fancied himself to be like a martial artist <laughs> in yeah. his styling of his kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Hyaskins. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah so stupid <laughs> uh how's the uh diet going i'm still in it man nice i'm proud of you dude i'm still in it like look you know i am serious about whipping myself into shape so that i can maybe get myself a gig in a band again yeah that'd be good because i I I'm not really in love with my job. Yeah. I'm grateful to have one. Yeah. You know, don't don't misread that. And I have no intention of quitting, but it doesn't, you know, it hasn't fulfilled on the promise that was made when I started doing it and I realized just like being at the mercy of other people's decision making is not something I'm great at. Yeah. I'm not good at it. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty bad at it. And I've, I'm harboring a lot of resentment as a result. Yeah. So I'm working hard at couch riffs. I'm trying to get myself in shape. Uh, and I want to be in the best shape of my life when I turn 50 in December. And I'm going to try to make a, try to make couch riffs into a video program. Cool. And, and, uh, take it on tour and film it in Whoa. every city around America. Nice. Not even kidding. That's pretty yeah. cool. But, uh, I want to be in shape for it. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be, uh, you know, on on the computer TV and be a fucking two hundred and fifty pound fatty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be a fit fifty, and yeah. pro. I mean, not necessarily. There's some, you know, there can be only one Jack Black. <laughs> it's you funny. I, I've seen f- photos of him with his shirt off, and he's not even really necessarily fat. He's just a big dude. You know what I mean? Mm, he's pretty fat. I just watched a video of him with his shirt off. Oh, really? Today, he's a he's large. Hmm. Yeah, he's large. But I listen. He's got he's got one of these like strange like big bodies. Like I was. When I get big, I have a soft stomach, and he is like right. a, a big, hard stomach. Yeah, like, and I mean, that may be why I think he's just a big dude and not necessarily a fat dude. Eh. Let's see. Jack Black shirt off. <laughs> That's going to make some fun. Uh, wreak havoc f- on your algorithm. <laughs> yep. 
Oh, I, I need to turn my safe, safe search off. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think he's that fat. You got a little bit of a belly, but... Buddy, if you go on Instagram and watch the video we posted today, which he probably filmed last week, mm-hmm. you will disagree with okay. what you just said. You'll change your mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I, a, and I'm not fat shaming. I just don't want to. I don't. You don't. I wouldn't. Do that. That's fine. Well, I don't, I'm not going to feel comfortable being on stage in front of people and carrying a bunch of uncomfortable weight. Yeah, it's physically uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, um, even doing my job, it was physically uncomfortable um yeah so yeah anyway the diet's going good that's good and the yeah, master the, plan uh, is in place i'm successfully um moving less and getting fatter every day which is great works well, fine it works well for my don't... job and <laughs> <laughs> and what i do with music which is hang out in the basement and just film yeah. uh, just film the fretboard of uh the bass right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh we have follow-up yeah, I think we got a bunch of emails this week, and I don't know that I've even read them yet. Really? Uh, yeah. A bunch of emails. Well, I got one, two, uh, three, four, five things in my inbox that say Golden Shower hits feedback. Um, let's see. Uh, we got an email from Chris. It says, hey, guys, uh-huh. uh, once again, you had me rolling. Got to admit, not a big Flaming Lips fan. Can't say I ever intentionally listened to them. Maybe just the image. Always seemed a bit pretentious, says the man who admits to being a rabid Kiss fan in his youth. Anyways, was thoroughly entertained and now have been nerding out on acefreelylesspaul.com for two days. Who knew there was so much to know about the Spaceman's guitars? So, yeah, I've <laughs> I've spent more time than I'd like to admit on, uh, on that website. So, uh, another email from uh, Kelly Simmons. Uh, number one, the Jesus Lizard episode was the best. Jamie yelling, this record is really good at the end of da- the David Yao <laughs> rant was the best. <laughs> number two, it was great to hear you guys debate slash argue about something besides the grading system. So, <laughs> Agreed. It felt good. <sighs> yeah. Kelly, thank you. It felt great. I got another, uh, I got another email from, uh, we got a, a voicemail uh, that was sent as an attachment uh, by Rudy, but I haven't listened to it yet. So I'll have to, uh, I, and I was going to do that before uh, the show today, but this week has but been a little nuts. Up. This week has been fucking bananas, dude. So um, yeah. servers breaking down, just all kinds of wacky shit this week. So work stuff, everything okay at home? Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's, you know, people in my orbit uh, having problems, so all right. stressful but i was at uh i was at the fucking taco bell drive through the other night at like midnight and uh it's right next to a winco which is like a it's like a super it's a large grocery store chain here in the northwest anyways there's a bunch of police tape around the fucking parking lot and there's probably 10 10 squad cars with lights going off and uh the taco bell's right next to it so i'm in the uh, the, the drive through lane and i'm sitting there and i'm listening to <laughs> cloud nine you know, and I start hearing this crazy sound on the left speaker and I realize it's not from the record. And I, I look and there's a Subaru that's probably going 70 miles an hour down the road. That's right next to the Taco Bell <laughs> and they have a blowout and there's sparks just flying off the fucking one of the wheels because it's going so fast. Are and they it, running from the cops? Yeah. And, and about 10 <laughs> seconds later, a bunch of, uh, 
sheriff's ca- sheriff's department SUVs come flying down the road in the same direction the Subaru went. So yeah, I found out later in the news that uh, somebody had been shot in the grocery store, and that's why the police were there. And then uh, I think they carjacked somebody. I think the shooter carjacked somebody in the parking lot of the grocery store. Um, and then that's wow. how the police chase happened. But it was weird because the the Portland cops were taking care of the grocery store, and then it was uh, sheriff's department that were chasing the car that I saw drive by. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Wow, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, <laughs> it's only reinforcing Jennifer's argument that she wants to move out of Portland. But I'm not going anywhere. So, <laughs> well, let me ask you this. You're not, uh, was that on 82nd or was it further? Out? It's on a hundred and second or hundred. No, sorry. 122nd. Um, is that rougher than 82nd? Cause I, I, maybe 82nd is like all kinds of fixed up now. I don't know. Yeah. The, um, the gentrification has spilled up through 82nd, like, you know, buying a house, uh, closer, you know, 82nd and, and in is like unaffordable for basically any normal person nowadays so but 80 is second itself is still you know car dealerships and prostitution and all that stuff it's just it's a bunch of right upper middle class white kids that own nice houses around there now so (laughs) yeah wow yeah well you know i don't know i mean portland's you know i love the portland that it was when i moved here and you know 1999 or whatever and i know that that doesn't exist anymore and it makes me sad uh but i still love portland you know so right and i mean this house um that i live in with jennifer this is the place i've lived at the longest in my entire life you know like growing up i mean i went to one school for one day you know like it was we were constantly on the run and so you know being here in this house it represents like safety and stability to me, you know? And when I go somewhere else, I'm super uncomfortable, you know? Even Um, when you, if you travel? uh, A little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, like when I switch jobs, um, I'll be like, uh, like uncomfortable and depressed for like two months after the switch, because the place is just so unfamiliar for me and I'm really unhappy. Um, and eventually I, I, I warm up to it, but it takes a long time. Um, and I don't like feeling that way, you know? And so yeah, nobody does shit, you know, especially like where you live, uh, is, yeah, you know, it's, it's super important to feel comfortable and happy there. You know, like we have that cottage in Astoria and it's great. Um, and it's literally like a replica of all my stuff in Portland but it's still really weird for me, you know, like, and I, you know, I can hang out there for a little while, but eventually I want to get back to Portland, you know, my house in Portland, you know, and it's getting better and better each time I go to Astoria, but it's still going to take a while for me to be as comfortable there as I am here, you know? So, right. Ah, uh, trauma. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're all grown up now. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I'm 40, well, I guess I'm 47 now. And, um, you know, in my head, I don't feel much different than I did at, you know, 27. You know what I mean? And I don't think of myself as an old man. Like, you know, I see myself in the mirror and I'm like, who the fuck is that? (laughs) You know, like, it's not what's in my mind's eye of myself, you know? 
Yeah, you're fucking telling me, buddy. And so it's weird, you know, knowing that now as, as an older guy and thinking about elderly people, you know, thinking about how your grandmother feels or, you know, they probably have the same perception, you know, just they don't feel much different than they did at 30 or 35, but they're in a body that can't do what they used to be able to do and they don't look the way they think that they look in their mind's eye and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's real weird. And then, you know, to, to kind of mix that up with, you know, like I, I'm on an email list from the state where they email you stuff about the coronavirus every day. And uh, I read all the emails and I used to read the information about everyone that had died until it got to about 900 people. And then I just, I couldn't fucking keep up anymore. It just got crazy. But looking at the ages of, the, of those people and thinking, okay, this person was only 10 years older than me, or this person was my age or a couple of years younger or whatever was just, you know, you don't think you're getting old and you're going to die. Um, but then you like read that stuff. Like, you know, those people probably didn't expect to die and fucking I, you know, so weird. Everybody is going to die. Yeah, I know. But I guess I, I just feel like I, I still got a while to do some stuff, you know, like, I feel, you know, I, even though I'm 47, I still feel like I haven't hit my stride, you know? So, uh, which, yeah, I, I feel like I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Shit. I still feel like I got a couple of seven inches in me. So <laughs> that came out wrong. Yeah. I was going to say that, <laughs> take that out of context. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's weird. Yeah. You already, <laughs> You already told you already told me that your plaster <laughs> cast wasn't that big. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck! All right, well now that I brought the show down to a screaming halt, <laughs> off to a fucking racing start. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, let's talk about this record. Fine. So, the Temptations, Cloud Nine. I actually. Um, so I watched, uh, they put out a movie in 98 that aired on NBC called The Temptations. It was like a two-part miniseries. So it was like four hours of their history and stuff. And I actually watched uh, the second part last night and oof, what a downer, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, I you know, I only had a vague um, knowledge of The Temptations. You know, I knew it was couple of dudes from Detroit and over the years they'd had some replacement singers and that sort of thing. But, um, so the, so watching the, uh, mini series was great when I'm listening to the cloud nine record too. You know what I mean? This week just really like immersed myself in this. And, uh, you know, my only frustration is there's so much more interesting stuff about Motown that I don't know that I didn't have time to dig into, you know? Um, right. and, the the documentary or documentary, the miniseries is not a documentary is um, it's actually kind of terrible. Like the acting in it's really bad. <laughs> they almost always are. Um, the uh, all the actors except for all, well, all the male uh, leads uh, in the temptations were, were nobody that I'd ever seen before. Um, and it was from 98. So with the exception of the guy that played blue, uh, he was in, uh, that TV show 24 with, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. I remember yeah. him from that, but, um, there were two women in the, uh, in the movie that were great. The one, uh, that played, um, 
Blue's mother is actually plays the grandmother on that TV show Blackish. So, and she was great in the movie. And then there was another lady uh, in there that I recognized that was really good. But unfortunately, they only had bit parts in the in the movie, kind of. So um, I don't know anything about the Temptations. Oh God, I know all kinds of shit now. <laughs> Uh, all right, you want me to fire really it out? Nothing. You want me to tell you all of that I know about the Temptations? Yeah, I okay. do. Uh, so is is basically started by a dude named Otis Williams, and he's. Uh, it's funny. He was never one of the leads, but it was always like considered his band. You know, you know, like Temptations is Otis's band, but he right. was. You know, he's not the the guy singing um, any of the hits. He's not the lead on any of the hits. Um, and uh, so the the bass, uh, the you know they 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 all have different vocal ranges pretty much. So um, blue, I like the guy with the raspy voice. Uh, is he on this record? Yeah. Okay, so you're thinking of Dennis uh, Dennis Edwards. Dennis is not. Um, this is his first record with the Temptations. So the classic five. Um, is all the dudes on this record and uh, this guy named David Ruffin. And so David sang like, ain't too proud to beg and um, like they're, they're, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, anyways, he had like a Coke problem and caused a lot of turmoil in the group and they eventually kicked him out. Um, but David actually, I don't know if you've watched any uh, live videos of him, but he, David's the guy that came up with the the like single microphone stand with five mics off of it, so they didn't have to like crowd around one mic, but so it would make it easier oh. for them to dance around and stuff, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, that's David Ruffin. He did a solo album called "My Whole Whole World Ended uh, the Moment You Left Me," which uh -huh. is actually really good. I listened to it last night. Uh, he died in '91 from a drug overdose of crack. Um, uh. In the miniseries, uh, I'll read you part of the Wikipedia thing here. It says, in the Temptations television miniseries, Ruffin's beaten body is depicted as being dumped in the street in front of a hospital where he dies. It's also stated in the miniseries that his body remained unclaimed in a morgue for more than a week after his death. As a result, Ruffin's estate filed suit against NBC and the other players uh, in making the series, claiming defamation. Um According to the plaintiffs, Ruffin's body was actually taken to the hospital by a limousine and was escorted to the waiting area by his driver who informed the attendants of his identity. Ruffin's children further stated that his body was claimed by one of them within a few days of his death. Uh, Ruffin's estate lost the lawsuit and the ruling was upheld on appeal. Um, his funeral was in Detroit. The sur surviving members of the temptation sang My Girl Stevie uh, Wonder and Aretha also sang at the funeral, and uh, Michael Jackson paid for the funeral services. Wow. He has two roads named after him in Detroit, uh, Avenue and a Boulevard. Um, wow. He dated uh, Tammy Terrell, who's the girl that sings duets with Ma Marvin Gaye, like on Ain't No Mountain High Enough and Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. Mm -hmm. She was an amazing singer. Uh, she actually died from a brain tumor when she was 24. Oh. Yeah, so <laughs> so that's David Ruffin. David's actually not on this uh, record. David actually um, uh, kind of, so he knew he was getting fired from The Temptations, and he kind of put forward this guy, Dennis Edwards, to be the singer, and that's the guy that you're talking about with the raspy voice. 
Um, so Day uh, De- Dennis Edwards uh, made his made his debut on stage on July 9th, nineteen sixty eight. Um, David Ruffin was attempting to make his way back into the group and crashed the stage during Edward's lead vocal on Ain't Too Proud to Beg to significant applause. So literally David Ruffin <laughs> fucking bum rushed the stage. Uh, and, and you know, the temptation, you know, they're not going to like have bouncers or whatever security, like kick them out, you know, cause people are fucking psyched. Right. So right. apparently he did this a bunch of times. Like would like go go to wherever their shows were and just like bum rush the stage when when like the the big songs that were hits that he sang lead vocal on uh, came up in the set. So, uh, anyways, he kept doing that, and so the group decided to lay off Dennis Edwards, um, and Edwards was okay with that because Motown offered him solo deal. Um, they rehired David Ruffin, but then Ruffin fucking stood him up on a gig. And then they were like, all right, fuck this. We're done with David Ruffin. Dennis Edwards is our guy. And so um, that was the end of uh, David Ruffin in the, uh, in the band, kind of. <laughs> so they did a reunion tour in the 80s uh, with um, David Ruffin. And um, then the, you know, he got fucked up on drugs again and missed a bunch of gigs. And they kicked, you know, so then the reunion was over. And then David Ruffin and some other dudes from the Temptations started like a, a splinter band called, I forget what it was called, like the Temptation, you know, David Ruffin and the Temptations Review. And so there was like two touring right. Temptations groups. The last Temptations of Christ. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. But <clears throat> so that's the guy you're thinking of is uh, Dennis Edwards. Um, you know, and it, so... Um, Melvin Franklin, who's blue, uh, he um, had uh, really bad rheumatoid arthritis and had to get like cortisone shots and stuff and and doing all the dancing in the temptations was really fucking him up. Um, Towards the end of his life, he had the flesh eating disease. Um, He had diabetes. In 78, uh, somebody tried to steal his car in Los Angeles and he jumped in the car to, to like fight off the dude and the dude shot him in the hand and the and in the leg and then uh after the guy shot him he was like don't i know you <laughs> <laughs> really yeah so oh uh, my yeah. god so he survived did, that and well, uh, did the guy drive him to the hospital no he just pushed him out of the car and took off with his car stole his car don't so, i know you yeah <laughs> oh you're rich give <laughs> yeah. me some money also yeah so uh anyways uh that was blue. He was in the band, um, up until, uh, 94. He eventually, he ended up in a wheelchair because of his arthritis and stuff and his, um, and then in 90, early 95, he suffered a series of seizures and fell into a coma and died in, uh, on February 15th, 1995. Um, then there was another guy, Paul Williams, who's the baritone of the group. He was the group's like original choreographer. And, um, was there like kind of at the beginning. Um, he was actually in a band previous with, I think, uh, Diana Ross, like before they were signed or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Paul Williams got, he he had sickle cell anemia and suffered a lot of pain from it. And because of his, um, the sickle cell and the pain, he started drinking a lot, um, which that'll get you. Yeah. Um, which made it hard for him to sing and he kept fucking up 
uh, at shows because he couldn't sing. So the Temptations actually hired this dude, Richard Street, to sing off stage um, Paul Williams' parts. So Paul would be wow. up on stage and they would lower the light on Paul. And um, this guy, Richard Street, would sing from the side stage. Um, and then so eventually what, you know. He was the original Aussie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so eventually uh, Paul couldn't perform with the band anymore. And uh, Richard Street took his place. Um, and then he, uh, and in 71, he was persuaded to go see a doctor. The doctors found a spot on William's liver and advised for him to retire from the group altogether. Um, they uh, they kept him on the payroll, payroll and still kept him like getting like a fifth of the shares of the group's royalties and stuff for the next few years. And they kind of kept him on as a choreographer. Um, and, uh, but in 73, he recorded like a solo record for Motown and they didn't release it. And then later that year, um, he was found dead in his car, uh, parked in an alley, um, just Ugh. outside the new house that him and his girlfriend had with a gun found near his body. So they think it was a suicide, but, um, I was reading this thing that says, uh, the circumstances around William's death, caused the Williams family to suspect some form of foul play was actually the cause of Williams death. According to the coroner, Williams had used his right hand to shoot himself on the left side of his head. In addition, the bottle of alcohol that was found near Williams side was as if he had dropped it while being shot. The gun used in the shooting was found to have had two shots fired, but only one of them had killed Williams. So who knows? Um, I mean, maybe he shot the gun in the air, you know, but, or maybe he was murdered, who knows? So that was Paul Williams. <laughs> and then uh, Eddie Kendricks, who was Paul's uh, best friend, and he's the guy that sings he's all the- He's kind of the most famous of all of them, yeah. right? Um, uh, well, I, I would feel, I feel like David Ruffin would be, but Eddie Kendricks, uh, yeah, he did some solo stuff. Um, he was like their falsetto singer. He died of lung cancer in 92 at the age of 52. Um, he was in the group from 60, 1960 to 70. And, uh, like he sang lead on, uh, the way you do the things you do, um, get ready and just my imagination. So yeah, that's kind of the, uh, biography on all the dudes in the band other than Otis, which I don't really have that much to say about, um, that temptations, uh, mini series is based on his, the book about his life, you know? I mean, obviously yeah. it paints him as like being awesome and everybody else being assholes, you know, so like, <laughs> you, know, you know, history yeah. is written by the people that live, you know, the victors That's or whatever. Right. The so, victors. Um, yeah. So that, that pretty much covers all the dudes, uh, the biography of the band. Um, I thought, you know, on first listen, I was like, dude, every single one of these songs with the exception of two songs on the album is about some dude being dumped. I had the same thing, like <laughs> every single one. It's so fucking pitiful. It's crazy. And I was like, you know, maybe if everybody you date is dumping you, maybe you need to figure out the common denominator. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> maybe you're the problem, dude. Like, uh, well, Jesus here's Christ. what I think. I, I was thinking about that too. I was like, God, but I don't, I think that either A, I don't. I didn't look at the song credits. Were they writing their own songs? No. So I kind of doubt it. Their first, um, their first attempts at songs. Uh, a lot of their songs were written by um, um, Smokey Robinson. There we go. Oh, 
Yeah, Smokey wrote a bunch he of He can write a song. Yeah, right? So he wrote a, a ton of their songs. And then this record was mostly uh, written, uh, the music was written by this guy, Norman Whitfield. I think he wrote some of the lyrics, and then I think he had like a lyric writer that worked with him as well. But Norman actually, <laughs> so I was looking at his Wikipedia page, Norman has had 92 songs on the U.S. charts. Really? Yeah, 92 songs. Dude wrote, wow. Dude wrote Car Wash in 1976, <laughs> which is a fucking great song, dude. So, yeah. But yeah, speaking of, uh, you know, these songs and, and about a dude being dumped all the time, on the song, Don't Let Him Take Your Love From Me, <laughs> the lyric is, you don't have to tell me you've gone to find someone new because I can feel his presence whenever I'm kissing you. <laughs> yeah, that's gross. Is that a... Is, is that a snowball? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. Oh, sweet Jesus. I, I kind of <laughs> doubt it. I doubt it. Pretty fucking gnarly. But um, but it's just, yeah, it's pretty pitiful. I, but I had thought about that because I listened to it driving a lot. And I was just yeah. like, God, these guys are fucking pitiful. And then yeah. I remembered, oh, who buys albums? Teens. And what are teens? Like, what is the b- easiest way to connect with teens. Right. And that's sing about sad heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that everyone in the world has in common. Everyone's had their heart broken somehow, whether it was, you know, by someone dumping them or their favorite pet fucking dog dying or whatever. Right. right. You know? Uh, Yeah. But yeah, that's, that was something that struck me as well. The, my, the, my other favorite thing about this record is that multiple times throughout the record, this lyric happens, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> now okay. listen, now listen, that's a lyric. <laughs> like that's a lyric in a song. Now listen. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I did not notice that. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Cloud Love Nine, it. Uh, the album went to number four on the US uh, Billboard pop charts. Really? Um, yeah, the cloud, the song Cloud Nine won uh, Motown, Motown its first Grammy in 69 for Best Rhythm and Blues Group Performance, Vocal or Instrumental, and reached number two in the U.S. Uh, R&B charts and number six in the U.S. pop chart. So it was huh. kind of, uh, it was kind of cool watching that, um, you know, because, I mean, they started in 1960, right? And in the miniseries, they talked about how, you know, they will go down south because they were quote unquote black artists. So they would go down South to play shows. And at their first shows, there would be a rope that divided the audience in half, you know, like from the back of the theater or whatever to the front of the stage. And on one half of the rope was um, people of color. And then on the other half was uh, white people. And then standing by the rope would be police wow. and, you know, everybody's dancing or whatever. And they, um, you know, which is something I, I'd never thought about, you know. Uh, and then they said by their next album, um, or at least, you know, on, on follow-up tours, uh, the the rope eventually went away and they were like super psyched to see like white kids and dan- kid, black kids all dancing, you know, in the same area. So right, I thought that was interesting. Um, <sighs> the... Uh, this is another one of those fucking sixties records where 
apparently they thought it'd be a great idea to hard pan the drums into the right speaker. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was really weird. I thought, you know, well, listening just, to they were getting the hang of it. Oh because they, they didn't have enough channels right, right. to spread like spread the drums out so like yeah. oh your hi-hats over here you know your your kick maybe is like skewed slightly to the right and the snares straight up the middle or something i don't know how that shit goes but yeah you know yeah they were just figuring it out that was that was pretty new shit yeah um i thought there was some interesting uh use of like room reverb by backing up from the like the there's one of the voices is distinctly roomy yeah yeah you can tell he's backing away from the mic to and then singing louder to just pick up the like the room like in the middle of a line which is really cool on this record so i wonder i wondered if he was backing up if he like you know obviously he wasn't in an iso room yeah you know yeah he was like out in the big room like the tracking room and i i wondered if he was backing off the mic because he was getting loud. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was really weird because not all of their voices are the same way. And I wonder right. if they, I wonder how they tracked, if they all tracked at the same time. Yeah. In the, in the, um, you know, and I, I mean, obviously, you know, like fucking mom. Are you going to say in the movie, they're all recording together? <laughs> no. Well, kind okay. of. I was going to say, preface this with, in the Netflix movie, The Dirt, about Motley Crue, they can't even get the guitar right for McMars, so I don't know yeah. how correct yeah, exactly. you know, these things are. But what he, they, was playing an, uh, he was playing an Epiphone in 1982, right? Right, right. A Black Beauty Epiphone, motherfuckers. Seriously, come on, guys. Uh, anyways, in the, the, the movie, I mean, they did have like them singing into like U87s. Like, they had the mics correct, which was surprising, so... Um, but what, the, you know, what the, they showed was, um, uh, about six feet away is the lead singer on his own mic. And then the backup singers are singing into a single mic, you know, like six or seven feet away from the, the main guy all tracking at the same time. So that's what the I movie wonder if showed. that's accurate. I don't, yeah, that I don't know. So seems pretty believable. Yeah. I mean, right? you know what, back in the forties, everybody, Recorded around one microphone. Recorded around one microphone. And to mix it, you physically moved people, you know, like, like, oh, the stand-up bass is too loud. Back the fuck away from the mic. You know, like that's how they mixed back then. So yeah, it's entirely possible that that's how they tracked it. Um, One thing about this record is, you know, like my perception of, you know, my perception of the temptations is like my girl and ain't too proud to beg and, you know, stuff like that. And that they're like a singing slash dancing group. You know what I mean? Like right, a, with like doo-wop style vocals. Yeah, and then just whoever is the band that, you know. This was this was like heavy psychedelic soul. Half of it was heavy psychedelic soul. The other half was at least the evolution of what we just stated. Right. And so, yeah, the weird thing is like, um, what's the song about being a runaway? Um Oh, I, you know, there are a couple of things about this record that I hated. But that song, I think it's in that song. There's like half of the song is the super long instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are these guys, when they play it live, what are they doing? Are they just dancing around for four minutes? I don't like, know. I wondered about that. <laughs> I wonder, like, are you guys trying to appeal to the acid dropping uh, kids of the day? Right. Well, I think by having this like. I think you know, this they're trying album, to keep up with the 
trends. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the cover. <laughs> you know, it's right. all it's it's like a lava lamp uh, with them superimposed over a photo of them. But um, I think on this record, you know, stuff that I was reading about uh, their producer and that sort of thing, it sounded like they were trying to compete with Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah. Where it's, you know, that's what it sounded like that. Yeah, for sure. And, you yeah. know, they, they have like, uh, unlike on their previous hits, you know, like the black and white era or whatever, where it's like a lead vocal and then backups. There are multiple songs on this record where each guy takes, you know, kind of a lead for a little while, which is kind right. of a Sly and the Family Stone thing, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. There were a lot of things about the record that were cool. I did not like the, the, the mock child crying at the end of that song. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> it just, every time it got to that, I would skip through. It was just like, I want my mama crying thing. It was like, right. Oh God. Um, and I hated the cover of grapevine. Yeah. It was not great. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that, I mean, I know these dudes are from Detroit and stuff. Um, but Wait, I, you think I, you could take them? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're from Detroit and stuff. I mean, I, I could, take, I could them, take them. I could take them today. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like if Otis Williams wanted to call me out on this fucking review, I'm pretty sure I could kick his ass. So I think he's 80 something. I mean, maybe I could, I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, yeah. I mean, who <laughs> he knows? might have a fucking a sneaky right hook. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, I thought it was interesting that all these songs are about like heartbreak and, and girls cheating on him or leaving him or him trying to win over a girl. And then the song cloud nine is basically about like how they grew up in the ghetto and it sucks in the ghetto. And you know, they like everything I read about cloud nine, they're denying that the song is about drugs. But if you listen to the lyrics, it, it pretty much sounds like, Hey, all these things are terrible, but you can be on cloud nine. If you, Take smoke these some grass. Yeah, smoke some weed, you know? Like, <laughs> so I thought it was... See, uh, that song was written by departure. Barrett Strong and Norman Whitfield. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. It, if I'm to fucking believe this, this says that... This can't be right. Can't, oh, well, I guess. This says that Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong also wrote... Heard it through the grapevine. Yeah, for... Um, uh, was it uh, the Pips? Is that who did that? I mean, all like the first three songs are all these songs written by no Most Ben of them, Raleigh right? and David Linden wrote "Love Is a Hurting Thing." That was a good song. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, oh, Carol King wrote "Hey Girl." Wow. All right. Yeah. I really want to go check out uh, Hitsville, USA, at some point. So I, oh, I really want to see the stacks museum. Yeah. Yeah. They I went through a big stacks phase at one point. Yeah. I know they opened uh, that building up as a museum in Detroit. Yeah. So it'd be cool. To go that there would be amazing. That. Yeah, for sure. We should, <laughs> you know what, when things get cooking again, yeah, we should meet there and go, go there. That'd be we'll cool. Have a, boys, man. have a boys trip. <laughs> that would be awesome. Why not? Yeah, I'd be into it. Yeah? Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll go get matching tattoos. <laughs> we'll smoke clove cigarettes. Oh, Jesus. With the, we have like a, some sort of like a rental 
car like, convertible. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That'd be great, man. <laughs> we get matching tramp stamps. Ninja symbols. <laughs> Ninja ones, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John. Sorry, Guff. Yeah, hey. Oh, didn't didn't Guffy respond to that? Uh, he did. I'm trying to remember what he said. I think he said we were correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like hundred percent admission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Man. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. The Temptations were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1989, and uh, David Ruffin <laughs> showed up, and they weren't super psyched about that, but. Uh, they kind of played it off and let him up on stage and all that stuff. So, well, was he inducted as well? I, uh, I believe so, but I don't think he was invited. You can't do that. Well, um, my let, let let me back up. I didn't research this at all, other than watching <laughs> watching that part on the uh, <laughs> thing. So I didn't actually watch their induction or or read about their induction, but that was what was in the movie. <laughs> we've gone they from weren't. uh we've we've switched gears from jamie reads you wikipedia to jamie jamie poorly jamie recalls the movie jamie recalls the movie exactly <laughs> jamie recalls details of the what do you call those kind of movies uh miniseries i guess or doc uh uh, uh docudrama <laughs> yeah yeah docudrama <laughs> that he watched at four in the morning on his phone <laughs> is that right yeah why do you watch it on your phone uh, because I do other stuff. So like, I'm like folding laundry. What the fuck and, does that mean? Well, I'm like folding laundry or like organizing shit, you know, going through papers. Like I, I, I don't typically watch TV and just only do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm a multitasker, which means I do multiple things poorly at the same time. But you could also use your laptop. Yeah. Uh, my laptop is hit or miss with my AirPods. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Why my, can't they figure that shit out? Who fucking Why knows? Does you, uh, For the most part, it works. But every once in a while, I'll be, I'll be like listening to NBR on my phone. And all of a sudden, my fucking AirPods switch over to my iPad. And it's like, yeah, my iPad's not playing any media. Why did you switch over there automatically? So Why does that happen? I don't know. Your tech support. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i would just tell myself to turn it off and turn it back on again yeah hey that's a, that's my favorite <laughs> yeah did you try the on slash off button <laughs> um <laughs> tales from tech support so uh a lot of times we would tell people uh that it was an id10t error and if you write down id10t you will understand what that means <laughs> um for right. f- for fun when i when i did phone support uh, a lot of times so a lot of times uh i would you know i could tell the problem would be that people hadn't plugged whatever it was in correctly or in all the way or you know whatever and so uh, a lot of times i would tell people i'm like okay i'm gonna need you to unplug it because i would be like oh did you plug it in uh, correctly and they get all upset right. it, it, like insulted you know so i'd be like okay so i'm going to need you to unplug that and i'm going to need you to blow in the en- on the end of the cable and then plug it back in right? yeah right <laughs> and uh it, it, and if they were especially a dick i would make them blow in it a bunch of times and i'd be like harder 
do it, do it again. I'm like, you're not blowing hard enough. You got to get the dust off of that. Which is <laughs> fucking high comedy, right? Uh, other times I would, uh, if I was on a especially long tech support call and I wanted to have a cigarette, I would, um, I would tell people to re- reboot their machine and I would have them hold down these special keys on their keyboard. And I would be like, okay, so you're going to need to reboot your machine. And when, it, when it does, it's going to make a chime, um, you know, cause this was a Mac support. I'm like, it was going to make a chime. So you need to keep holding these keys down and it's going to restart on its own again. It's going to make that chime again. We need it to chime 15 times after the 15th <laughs> time, take your hand off the keyboard and let it boot up. Um, I'm going to use the restroom. So do that and then call me back. <laughs> and so then I would just have them do that. And I would go out and have a quick smoke and come back and be like, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> blow on like i love the uh don't even blow into the into the jack blow on the tip of the cable blow on the cable yeah <laughs> yeah blow on the tip of the cable uh, you're you're That's not where all i the can tell is. over the phone that you're not blowing hard enough you're gonna need to blow harder <laughs> it's fucking so good uh, 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 wow yeah that... how did we start talking about oh t- uh, tech support yeah oh. yeah tech support baby yeah <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. I remember my mom actually called uh, our company for tech support once and got me on the phone. And uh, the guy working in the cubicle next to me could hear me on the phone with my mom. And I'm like, your okay. mom called you for tech support. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> it was awful because she could, the worst is like, I can't see your screen. So I, I ask you to do a particular thing and I need you to do that particular thing. So that way I can visualize what you're doing in my head, right? So I know what you see on the screen. And so I would be like, okay, go to the upper left and clip, click on the black apple in the left-hand side of your screen, upper left-hand side of your screen. And she'd do that. And I hear like all kinds of other clicking. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you clicking on? Like what? Just click on the black apple. Like don't click on the other stuff. And she was the worst person that ever called me on a tech call and so i tried to transfer to the guy next to me and he's like i'm not taking that call i'm like come on dude <laughs> it's like she sounds like a pain in the ass i'm like ah, she is it's my mother <laughs> no you don't even know <laughs> yeah so that was pretty bad good lord what do you what's all those clicking noises i just get to click on one thing well it's uh, hard you know yeah it's hard Tech support's a lot easier nowadays where you can remote into people's machines and or remotely control their machines if they allow it. So could you even imagine that as a reality twenty years ago? Uh yes, because I was kind of doing it twenty years ago. So Really? Yeah. So about twenty five years ago I was working at a newspaper. And uh, we would actually have the paper printed at a larger paper that was about 35 miles away. And so I set up a thing to where uh, I could control the the rip is is the thing that prints out the films. Um, yeah. Like 25 years ago. And uh, so I was remotely controlling a machine like 25 years ago. It was fucking slow as shit over dial up, you know, uh, but. But like, a technological marvel. marvel. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Huh. Huh. Hey, you know what? What? I have to fucking pee really bad. All right. What? Uh, oh, yeah. You want to so, yeah, fucking grade this thing and cruise or do you want me to go pee and we'll, we'll fucking, we'll keep riding? 
let's uh i don't really have much else to talk about about this record although <laughs> so last night i started working on the cover right mm-hmm. i worked on it for six hours and was really? nowhere at the end of it um and then today i worked on it for i was work i've been working on it for about another hour just like trying to figure out the drum parts and stuff because it's weird like some instruments start uh like come in not on <sighs> Like not on the one, <laughs> it's really weird. Right. Uh, anyways, it literally took me seven hours before I figured out there's two fucking drummers playing on cloud nine. It's not one drummer. <laughs> I'm like trying to, fa- I'm like, how the fuck is he hitting doing this crazy uh, hi-hat pattern and still hitting the snare? And I'm like literally for hours trying to do it. And then, then uh, I'm like, wait a second. I don't know. I think there's two fucking, I'm like, how could there be two drummers on this? And then when you look at the fucking Wikipedia entry for the song cloud nine, it lists two drummers. I'm like, you Uh. sons of bitches. Like, I literally wasted so much time trying to play what two fucking drummers are playing. Also at 40 beats per minute faster than they're playing it. Right. (laughs) Oh my God, dude so that fucking was... sweaty and so worn out and nothing to show for it as of last night so that was a real error yeah. on your part Son of a... <laughs> i'm like how the fuck are they playing this you know the rhythm is you know and i'm like the whitest dude in the world and it's like this funky little rhythm on the hi-hat but then they're also playing the fucking snare and kick and and then 40 beats per minute faster like hours i spent on it dude <laughs> like could not get it and so now i'm like oh i just need to fucking record the drums and then record a separate hi-hat track like jesus christ right uh uh be sure to get that to me as quick as you can i will i'll try to uh get it to you soon sorry that was a fucking drag uh i was like oh god i'm like this is a cool song this would be a cool little punk song oh jesus fucking christ so (laughs) why didn't you just like why do you try to real? I mean, you know, sometimes I know. when I think back to our very first one, yeah, it was so much. They're just like uh, we hadn't established many patterns or anything yet, right? And every once in a while, I'll go back and listen to that as a point of reference. I mean, clearly not when I did the fucking Jesus Lizard one, but <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know. Well, I kind of feel like. You know, for a cover, I try to pull out an obvious chord progression yeah. that can be sped up. And But, you know, there's not on any of these songs other than Heard It Through the Grapevine, which isn't their song. Or at least I couldn't, you know, in listening to it, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, this would be killer on guitar. You know what I mean? So Also a terrible cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I figured Cloud Nine would be cool because it's like a cool bass thing and an interesting drum thing, and then like the cu- guitars could be like these punchy, punky like punches. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I guess that's what I was envisioning. So I was trying to get the fucking drums right. You know, <laughs> like yeah. So you we'll see what up. happens. It's entirely you fuck, possible. You either fucked up again, son. It's entirely possible. There's no cover at the beginning of this episode or. <laughs> <laughs> or jamie's thrown every jamie's, week i think that <laughs> jamie's thrown in the towel and been like do something with a synth mike <laughs> happened to me by wednesday <laughs> dick every week i think that to myself like 
I don't know. Maybe there's just not going to be a cover on this one. Yeah, I think that a lot too. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised we've been able to. We've done it every week except for um, that one hip hop album, right? Right. Yeah. So. What did we not? We didn't do one for How to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. We didn't do. <laughs> but and I don't know that that was an issue with the music. It was an issue with the lyrics, like. Right, and I, you know, we, we I wasn't, not be I wasn't cozy singing any of those words. Yeah, so we had a hard enough time singing, uh, finding words we could sing on, um, uh, what was that one band we did? Tribe Called Quest? Tribe, yeah, the Tribe Called Quest record. That was so, a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, you know. I still yeah. think my, I still think my favorite cover is the Leonard Cohen one, the first one we did. <laughs> uh, kind of kind of uh, on on the same page with you although yeah. i think there's there's some good ones there's some i think there's some really fun ones but that yeah. one is it has a particular fire to it yeah i like legal matter also it was pretty good. exciting because that was the first one we did and so we still have right. you know <laughs> at least i have <laughs> that attachment to it yeah like that that excitement well also now it's just we, like fuck we gotta learn the goddamn cover <laughs> well we also uh <laughs> We had like two months of uh, episodes in the bag, and so we were super leisurely with it. Now it's like the color is like an albatross because it's like it's getting done on Wednesday night, and the right, episode's yeah. going up on Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> like and Thursday at midnight, you know. So like, right. yeah, Ugh. yeah, great idea, Mike. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I did tell you <clears throat> I wasn't going to be able to do much. <laughs> Yeah, the cover. You know what I? You know what I'm doing? I'm going back to one episode a week. I finally I committed to it. Oh, that's good. Next month I might break the rule a couple times because yeah. it's drummer uh, drummer awareness month. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I have drummer okay. awareness month at uh, Coutros. Oh, you do? Once, okay, I thought maybe it was an international thing. <laughs> no, <it's> just <laughs> no, it's like whoa, like, you know, it's my my little joke about yeah. you know. There's a, a lot of drummer jokes out there yeah and that's my drummer joke that's pretty good yeah so um yeah so we need to grade this thing you go first i <sighs> hmm i'm gonna uh I'm, I'm thinking about i'm looking at the grades i've given other stuff recently um, is that in the document yeah oh. so like goat <laughs> I gave a B. Well, Jesus Christ, apparently I give everything a B nowadays. Uh, Love Gun was B minus. Goat was a B. Yoshimi Battles was B plus. Mars to Sirius was B. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm gonna say A minus on this guy. Really? Yeah, I really liked listening to it. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, today marks the second occasion where you'll grade something higher than I do. Okay. I'll give this a B plus. All right. I think that it's a little bit scattered and in a way that, you know, it didn't feel herky jerky, but the the variety of styles uh didn't lend itself to a cohesive album feel. It almost felt like Yeah, like I'll a agree B, with you. Like there. a B sides album. Right. You know? And uh and rarely am I like that that the the thing about the runaways bum me out like not like the top of the song is cool but that like i want my mama thing at the end just bum me out yeah it just was a 
terrible thing. They shouldn't have done it to my ears. And and I hated the cover of Heard It Through the Grapevine. So have I given it a letter grade yet? Uh, you said a B plus. Uh, B. All right. I take it back. B. You know what? So, I'm going to kick mine back to a B plus, I think. Really? For the first... See, this is well, what happens when you go first. The second person influences your decision. Now, don't go any lower than me. <laughs> or we're, or there's going to be trouble. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at, like, I think I enjoyed Yoshimi more than I enjoyed this record. Well, maybe about the same. And I definitely enjoyed listening to it more than Gojira. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't I, unenjoyable. I'd say B+. Plus. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, you know, I kind of, you know, for me, like I said, the Temptations were you know, the black and white classic five version, you know what I mean? Like, like all the David Ruffin stuff is is like my, yeah, that's what I think about when I think about this band. Although, I mean, clearly they were not afraid to go into other, you know, other heavier, darker territory. Yeah. And it's cool. And that's, yeah. And, and that's the thing. But just give me a whole fucking record of that. Like that Osmond, that fucking weird Osmond record, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was surprised and enjoyed, you know, the little genre change up that they did. And I thought they did a pretty good job at it, you know, so. Uh, but only pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, the songs are still, baby, don't leave me. Yeah, you know? Right, I'd <laughs> like, still re- way so. rather listen to uh, Intervisions or, you know, <laughs> right. a- any one of the Sly and the Family Stone records for that, yeah. Yeah. for that stuff. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and enjoyed listening to it all week. So, I wonder who picked this and if it was an honest pick. I don't know. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine this is somebody's favorite record of the '60s. But you, you know. don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I talked to Jennifer the other day. She said she's going to submit a bunch of records. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, because I was talking about how you know the '80s is overwhelmingly multiple people voting for uh appetite for destruction you know and it's like we're starting to run out of fucking records for the 80s because everybody picked that you know so and she's like finally came up right yeah yeah it's been picked so there's gonna be a giant void in there right it's like 20 percent of the votes were for that record yeah and so you know when we go to pick 10 more records if there's not 10 distinct entries in the 80s we're gonna be skunked you know so we'll have um, to pick on the fly yeah so that's why Jennifer was like, oh, I, there's all kinds of fucking great 80s records I, I I've love. I've never you know, taken so. the survey. I'm happy to submit one on the fly. There you go. If there, if we have to call an audible, I'll I'll call it. You what do you think a, about that? Yeah, as long as you, you know, you're going to pick uh, Dylan versus Appetite for the Destruction. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Ever. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly feel like we... You know, I mean, we bumped it for Purple Rain, but I... I'll I, never pick I think we a should Dylan record, record or a dead record, ever. I, I think we have to review that. Dude, we, we fucking review Cro-Magnon. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even pick those records for kindling. Right, but they were picked. It was picked. Yeah, so I, I feel like at some point we need to uh, to actually go through the review, so... That's true. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> so eventually, when it, get, when it gets randomly, when the random generator calls up the number, then yeah, for sure. Right. Um, 
But what I'm saying is, you know, so we have the next two seasons picked. It was bumped for Purple Rain. Uh, I, I feel like when we pick the next two seasons again, that should automatically get put in there because it's already been picked. Right. So, and I think our audience will love hearing us review that record. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that'll be a treat for them and a miserable week for us listening to it. Although, who knows? Maybe I'll love it. Maybe it'll turn me into a dead fan, <laughs> you know? I wanted to give you a quick update. Yeah. Yesterday, my new DI showed up in the mail. Hey, nice. What'd you get? I got a warm audio. Oh, okay. Um, uh, an active one that you could switch off. You yeah. Know? So it's kind of a twofer. Is it, uh, is it powered by uh, Bus uh, powered. 40, um, uh, 48 by the, volt or whatever? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool, man. So, so that's cool. What's it called? It's a warm audio what? I don't know. Active DI. I'll send you a link. Nice. What do you think about that? I actually made a big purchase today. <laughs> what did you buy? A guitar? <clears throat> no. Scooter? I bought a uh, amp switcher box by a company called KHE in uh, Switzerland. <laughs> you didn't go with a radial? Uh, they don't make one. What? Yeah, I'm. I was shocked as well. They do not make. No, a, they do. It's called the headbone. Yeah, and, and that's not what I need. So the headbone switches two heads between one cabinet. This will switch eight heads between four cabinets. So <laughs> <laughs> you are a world class asshole. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, that's really. That's really what what you bought. Yes. Eight, like, <laughs> under what circumstances do you need that? So if, uh, so I have a bunch of cabinets in the basement and a bunch of heads. And if I'm like, oh, I want to play with this head with this cabinet, I got to fucking reach, you know, I got to move a bunch of amps out and move a bunch of wires around. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. So now it's just in a one U. <clears throat> uh, it's cool. So it'll run uh, all your amps through one attenuator. So I, I just need the one attenuator. And uh, there's little dips, you know, these little up and down switches. You just press the switch for the amp you want. You press the switch for the speaker you want, and it plays that amp through that speaker. And you can switch speaker cabinets with no drops, um, or you can switch amp heads with no drops. It's pretty killer. So That sounds pretty killer. Yeah. But it sounds like something I would never need in a million years. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have a bunch of heads and a bunch of cabinets, so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a, a Metropolis uh, head switcher thing. So, like, you can plug two heads into one cabinet and switch between the heads. I have one of those already. But, and I looked at Radial Site to see if they had a, a multi-amp, multi-cabinet switcher, and they don't. So, um, yeah, and I, I um, there's a producer, like a recording engineer guy that I watch a bunch of his videos online. And uh, I saw him using this and I like zoomed away in and could read the label. And then I was like, oh, so then I <laughs> Googled it and uh, found their site. And then I went on YouTube and found a bunch of people demoing it and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is like, fucking totally what I've been looking for. Cause you know, I'm a member of all these like Marshall Facebook groups and I see all these assholes with like 10 heads and one cabinet and, and, and like the heads are, you know, they're on like metal shelving or, you know what I mean? They're like right. on shelves. And I'm like, and I always comment on those threads. I'm like, hey, how are you guys uh, managing this? They're probably this? Just not 
they're just fucking they're not switching between them right but they're going they're manually doing it so they're so they have um a long speaker cable coming out of each head and so they reach back around and plug in whatever cabinet and you know they every time they want to play guitar they verify that the fucking head that they're plugging into has a cabinet plug in, like load on it so they're not going to blow their transformer like i'm like all you have to do I'm is look behind the head it's not like you fucking have to drive across the state <laughs> no but um i would think on the in uh these heads on these shelves uh they keep a speaker cable coming out of each head you know what i mean so they're not plugging one they don't have one speaker cable going from the cabinet and then picking at well maybe they do but Anyways, um, yeah. We've got this fucking octopus thing now. I'm super fucking psyched on it. I can't wait. What's it called? It's called a KHE. It's made by KHE Audio Electronics. It's called a um, amplifier cabinet selector. And so... <laughs> How'd they come up with that? Yeah, right. Uh, the one I got is... It's very European of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one, the one I got is the ACS-84. So they make a four. So they make a bunch of different ones, like four amps into two cabinets, four amps into four cabinets, uh, four amps, four cabs, four effects loops. So you can put all your shit in, a, oh, wow. in one effects loop, and then when you switch amps and cabs, the shit in the effects loops goes to that amp and cab. So it spills over. Uh, yeah, it like huh. moves whatever's in the effects loop to the effects loop of whatever amp you're. Oh, that's using. interesting. Yeah. Um, and then they have an eight amp switcher with one cabinet or an eight uh, cabinet switcher for one amp. So, and then you can actually expand the system um, by daisy chaining them together. You know what I mean? So if you get more amps or whatever. So. I wonder how many um, Axe effects you could chain together. <laughs> yeah, right. I have seen. A, I have seen. A, I have seen a bunch of dudes that. Uh, so a bunch of the YouTube demos are guys that have a mix of like. Um, I've seen him pushing Kempers and real amps into real cabs. Uh, some of the dudes have, uh, real heads and real cabinets. And then like a two notes studio live, um, you know, the IR box or whatever. Yeah. Um, so people have all kinds of different options, which is kind of cool. So yeah. Fancy. Very, very psyched. That's I did, fancy. I did not get my brass snare. I got this instead. <laughs> That's what I was kind of, I was hoping that you were going to say that you got your brass snare. No, I, I've spent the last week, uh, kind of working out my issues with reamping and, um, I'm pretty psyched on it. I, I finally got it working correctly. So, or at least to where I'm satisfied with it because I was having some issues with it. Like it just wasn't sounding great. And, um, I couldn't figure it out. So I'm like, all right, this week in my creative so time. So are you, I'm wait a minute, are you recording out. a DI? Under what circumstances do you need to reamp? So, um. Am I going to regret asking that? I still really have to pee. Oh. <laughs> for the uh, record. So when I'm trying to figure out like, uh, what mics I want to use, um, and that sort of thing, it's easy to, it's best to record a DI and then reamp it and then just loop the reamp. You know what I mean? So I can try sure. different mics you know try different yeah. cabinets different spaces you know areas on the speaker and that sort of thing till i find a guitar sound that i like you know so right um, but i can't do that when i'm like trying to play guitar you know so um yeah and then after you know um after our seven inch and how disappointed i am with the guitar sound on it kind of told myself anything that i record that i want to keep i'm 
always going to record a dry track as well, you know? Right. So that way, if five you years can, from now, I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this guitar sound. I can reamp it, you know? So. Right. Yeah. Kind of want to build that into my setup. Jamie? Yeah. What's next week? Uh, next week is too many windows open here. Fucker. Motherfucker is right. Next week is Man Machine by Kraftwerk. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't people think people love I, this band. I've never listened to them. I have I've heard of heard of them for years. Uh yeah. I don't think I've ever listened to them, but I did sample some of it uh to try to figure out a song for the cover. And I think I might I think I'm gonna like it. So it seemed like a very hip thing for a band to say they were influenced by at a certain period of time recently. Right. You know? Well, I'm, which, I'm, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I buy it or not, but yeah, that's fine. I'm sure it's innovative and great. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. I think they, well, we'll talk about it on the craft work episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. do you think so? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally pinching right now. <laughs> You're pinching your penis to, yeah. Keep the feet from happening. Yeah. I'm All actually right. doing that. <laughs> well, I'll leave you alone. Hey, Jamie. Yeah. You're great. You're great, dude. I will, uh, <laughs> I'll send you some cover stuff soon, hopefully. Okay. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon. All right, dude. Take care. Bye. Bye. Go down the